0: Like, are you a fist-pumper, a woo a hand-clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. My mom got sick with heart problems. She had had a heart attack when I was in 8th grade and then had another one when I was uh, in school uh, in college and so I you know my older siblings my three brothers and my sister were all married had kids and and just you know had very busy lives and couldn't take care of my mom a whole lot and my mom couldn't work you know for quite a while uh, with with the heart issues so I basically quit school and went home and uh, lived at the house that I grew up in and had three jobs i was I was pouring concrete during the day and uh, bartending at night at two different places, and I was kind of doubling security and <laughs> and bartending. But, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't get double the pay. Let's put it that way. But, so, you know, the thing was is, you know, I I sat down one day and and said this this can't be uh, my destiny. You know, this the uh, I was I was destined to do something um, something different, something bigger, and you know, so I. I still had a competitive, a lot of competitive uh, competitiveness in my in my body and my spirit. So I started uh, doing martial arts, started doing kickboxing, shorai, ru karate, and uh, doing some, doing a little bit of judo, and, and working some different stuff. And uh, had grown up wrestling and done a lot of done done some boxing. You know, when I was a teenager, and wrestled uh, my whole life. And so. Um, you know, I started kickboxing, fighting amateur kickboxing, the PK the old PKC rules, kicked above the waist. And That's then awesome. <laughs> start, started fighting, started fighting K1 rules, kickboxing, won a U.S. title in that, and then um, not long after that, um, the Uf, UFC one came along, and I said, "Holy cow, they they invented my sport." That's it.
0: That's awesome.
1: And uh, so I saw the opportunity to, you know, make money in big checks. Um, in in large amounts at one time, you know. For me, what was considered large, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't you know making a lot of money, obviously, and um, and so that was that was it. You know, I just decided I'm all in and I'm going to go for it, man, and and uh, you know ended up where I ended up.
0: I think that's awesome. Now, uh, over the years, you've you've done. A little bit of everything. Uh, UFC, uh, Extreme Challenge. Uh, I think I first learned about you uh, watching the old Extreme Fighting uh, events that uh, I think Penthouse or whatever was sponsoring or somehow created. Uh, extreme Fighting was was a heck of a. Uh, Thrown, it, it wasn't really like 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 a thrown together concept, but it, the the they had an interesting history. I think they did a show in Canada where everybody got arrested. Uh,
1: oh, that was uh, yeah. I did I did one show, uh, Extreme BattleCade. Yes, there it is. That was that was that was under John Peretti. John Peretti yes. started that organization. Yes, and he ended up becoming the matchmaker actually for the UFC. He was the yes. one that 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 implemented the weight classes, implemented implemented the rules. Um. All of, he was—he's was the guy that, that gets credit for all of that stuff.
0: That's uh, awesome. A lot
1: of other people try to take credit for it, but he's the guy that actually did it. Yeah. And and so yeah. But the the extreme extreme battlecade was that's when I, I fought Matt Hume, who was the yes. best one guy in the world at the time at that weight division, and um, they stopped the fight. They thought my nose was broken, but Matt was Matt was, and still to this day, I think he was the. The most technical fighter I had ever, certainly I'd ever fought, and have have ever fought in my career, and the most uh, probably one of the top five most technical fighters I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, well, you you've been all over the place. Uh, How are some of the different, I guess, some of the different crowd reactions you've gotten from from various places? Because you've fought in in Super Brawl in Hawaii. Uh, you, you've done Battlecade, UFC, uh, all these different places. Well, 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 kind of give me, a, I, I guess, a, a feel for what, what the crowds are like, or is it just because it's a fighting crowd it's, it's the same across the board?
1: Well, I mean, uh, fighting in Hawaii, man, I tell you what, they're, they're fans that they, they know fighting very well. Um, there's a lot of martial artists per capita out there. A lot of jujitsu practitioners, a lot of karate, a lot of kickboxing. They're very knowledgeable people, and for a tiny island, for for a tiny set of islands, um, the Hawaiians are extremely tough people, man. Extremely tough, and uh, you know, so they they get it. You know, I mean, let's put it this way: there's a reason you get beat up if you steal somebody's wave out there. Right? <laughs> they, they know how to fight. They they will fight you in a, at the drop of a hat, but. Uh, and then you know, fighting in Japan, um, the crowds are very quiet, very respectful. They appreciate the art. You know, they would they would lightly ap- applaud uh, a cool submission attempt, and then they would applaud louder um, for a great escape out of a submission because they really they appreciated the artistry of it and and the martial the martial arts techniques. And uh, but you know, I fought God all over all over the place and seen fight crowds all over the place and. You know the american fight crowds it took a while for them to get educated as far as the intricacies of the art you know of of the martial arts and everything it took to do it um as people started switching over from um you know other martial arts into you know learning jujitsu learning uh muay thai kickboxing learning all this stuff and saying okay this is this is some very technical stuff these people are doing and it, it just you know it it took took years for the for the crowds to catch up although they were very supportive they kind of just didn't know what the hell was going on they just were seeing yeah a fight. yeah
0: yeah because i remember those those older ufc's the minute somebody would hit the ground they'd boo them out of the building
1: yeah and it was like you know <laughs> bust his skull cap off <laughs> that's right <laughs> i actually i actually heard that once
0: that's awesome <laughs> uh Pat Militich with us today here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio and also AMFM247.com. Now you competed against uh Henzo Gracie in in IFL, which was a uh, a really cool concept. I, I still have people that I work out with uh that loved the heck out of the IFL because of the team concept. Why do you think that didn't go further?
1: Um, you know, I think that the fictitious names of the teams, you know, we were the squad city silverbacks, you know, things like that. I don't know. Uh, there was some, there was a little too much spending going on. There were a few too many uh, employees, you know, it was a big payroll. Um, they burned through an awful lot of money, pretty, pretty short amount of time. And, you know, uh, uh, they could have run a lot more efficient um, with with people who were very, very experienced at promoting, and, and they, they really just didn't do that. They were great people and fans of the sport. They just they just didn't do a, uh, you know, a bang-up job in terms of running a skeleton crew that could do a lot of work for a little bit of yeah. money. And, um, you know, they, they, they really went through quite a bit of money. So that, that made it tougher. Um, but, you know, um, doing shows – you know, you got to you got to you got to pick teams in places where there's a lot of fans. Some, sometimes there were arenas that were empty. Sometimes there were arenas, like when we fought here in the Quad Cities, the place was packed with you know seven thousand yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so you got to pick. You know, you got to pick those blue collar towns, those places uh, where there's where there's a lot of people that are, you know, hard workers, tough life, you know, blue collar farmers, um, you know, that that sort of that sort of and, and not major metropolitan areas. Um, you got to do the second-tier cities, you know things like that are, are really important when it comes to, to it. Because look, in Iowa, we were the only professional sports team in the state of Iowa. We don't have professional sports here, yep, so yep. Um, you know that that is going to draw a lot of people. So you have to go to places like that where they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of pro sports to go and watch.
0: We've got Pat Militich with us today we're, uh, we're talking with him about all sorts of different things in this segment we're talking about uh, MMA and uh, combat sports now w- when you made the jump from uh, doing you know doing the fighting to talking about the fighting uh, what what motivated you to get into broadcast or did someone get a hold of you and say hey you're Pat Militich we want to hire you
1: <laughs> uh, you know it was Uh, I I had done a couple of shows Uh, a couple of guys asked me if I wanted to go do um, uh, Rich Gone and Rick Phillips who um, also do work for for quite a bit of work for Showtime Sports um, asked me if I wanted to do um, some shows for the Sunshine Network so I did I worked with them a couple of times and then that was the end of it for many years and then out of the blue i was sitting in the chicago airport and i got a call i never answer the phone if i don't recognize if the name does not come up on my phone i won't answer the phone that's awesome the hell you are that's awesome and so but but, (laughs) but my phone rang my phone rang and it was uh um david dinkins the executive producer for showtime sports and he said that Frank Shamrock and Nick Diaz were fighting and Frank Shamrock was their normal color commentator. So he obviously was not going to be working that night yeah. and said, he got my name from Rick Phillips and, and Rich gone. And they said that, that I was up for the job. They felt that I could, I could handle it. And so he asked me if I wanted to do one show with him for that, that show.
0: Fantastic.
1: And I said, sure, you know, I'll give it a shot. And, and so I called that, that night of fights and, uh, after the show, um, David Dinkins said, "You know, you're actually pretty good at this. Do you want to, do you want to maybe stay on with us and keep working?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." <laughs> and so they they offered me a contract. It was pretty funny. I had, you know, I, I had an idea that that sports commentators made decent money, um, but I, I really didn't know. You know, I I, I, did, I, I really didn't know. So um, my my agent at the time said, "This is what they're. This is on the contract they sent over. It's a certain number of year deal." And this is what they're offering you per show. Do you want me to negotiate with them? What do you want me to say? And I said, yeah, what's, what's, what's the number? What are they offering? And he told me the number, and I said, no, don't negotiate with them. Say yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you insane? You know, I, I, you know I, yeah, take it. And uh, so I was doing two shows a month with them, and then uh, ESPN offered me a job also, so I was working at ESPN on the weeks I wasn't working. For showtime because i was an independent contractor i was not a technically a, an employee of either and then access tv came along and daryl uh, daryl Ewald, who was the executive producer at access tv offered me a job there and uh to work on the weeks when i wasn't working at either espn or showtime sports and so i had three jobs working for three pretty major networks um Covering the sport, and I mean it was feast or famine, right? I was, uh, I went from kind of a tough situation uh, to to working for three major networks, and I was on, I was on everything, and so it was, it was pretty incredible, and I was, I was, I was really blessed. I was very happy, and then ESPN, you know, discontinued uh, the MMA stuff um, at the time. The executives, I don't think they even. Necessarily, you know, Dana was Dana was really criticizing ESPN a lot at that time. Yes. Uh, so they discontinued the show. Uh, that's where I worked with John Anik and Molly Keram and some other folks that were really awesome people. And then, uh, and then Access TV obviously uh, discontinued, or Showtimes, uh, or, or Strikeforce sold to the UFC, so that went away. And then Access obviously just got bought by Anthem not that long ago, so that went away. So now I'm with the UFC Fight Pass.
0: Do you think that uh, Dana gets a gets a bad, you know, reputation from people, or is uh, do people not just understand Dana White?
1: Uh, well, I mean, look, um, Dana's not your not your run of the mill business guy. I mean, he's because he's, he
0: reminds me uh, of Vince McMahon.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, he's he can be abrasive, obviously. Yeah, people, uh, you know, he he does that, and that's just the way he is. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's, that's his style. You know, you got to take everybody, uh, oh, yeah, the, cause, the way they are. I've had, you know? yeah, I've, I've had, had maybe
0: a, one or two conversations with Dana just in passing, and he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy.
1: <laughs> so well, I mean, I'm like, gonna, you know, he's, he's a guy that's going to protect his, protect his business. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way he is. And, um, that's that's life, you know. If you don't like it, you know, tough luck. And, you know, <laughs> yes. That's, that's that's the way it is. He and I butted heads. He and I butted heads for about a decade. Uh, but uh, you know, that's that's just because I'm I'm a I'm an asshole too, or you know. So.
0: <laughs> well, we have got Pat Militich with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, and uh, he has went from being. Uh, uh ufc and mma combatant to uh being behind the mic and uh doing color commentary and play-by-play for uh many organizations and uh you also did some you, you have uh i was looking at wikipedia and you have one professional boxing win how, how did how did professional boxing cross in into all this
1: well, I mean, I've been for a lot of years, you know, as a teenager, I boxed, and then as I was doing my uh, kickboxing, my uh, the, the the K-1 rules stuff, and then also MMA, you know, I spent time down at uh, Pena's, Pena's uh, boxing gym, Davenport Boxing Club, uh, sparring with a lot of very good boxers. They, you know, Albino Pena had uh, probably the best amateur boxing team in the nation, and uh, he also created, you know, guys like Michael Nunn, Antoine Eccles, and many other good, great professionals. Uh, Michael Nunn was the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world for four years. So, um, you know, they had, they had a lot of very talented, very tough guys down there, and Albina was a great coach. And so I went down there and literally donated blood for three years before I started to be able to hang with people. Wow. And, uh, you know, that that's something that, you know, I I felt the level of boxers that I was training with, uh, that there was nobody in MMA that could possibly hurt me standing up, and nobody ever did. Nobody ever. I never got a concussion in boxing or spine, never in MMA or anything. Probably I just a lot of luck, probably. But I always made made sure to pay attention to defense. I really paid attention attention to defense, and because I didn't want to be one of those guys that was punch drunk when I was older, yep, and, yep. and not be able to not be able to live a decent life and things like that. So, uh, but. But really, that's kind of how it happened. It was like, hey, you know, I might as well do a pro boxing match while I've got some downtime. And I did that actually like a a week or two after I defended the UFC, when I defended my UFC belt, and then I fought a pro boxing match a week or two after that.
0: Wow! Days before athletic commissions.
1: <laughs> well, there, no, there, they, there, there was athletic commissions, but they let me do it because you know I didn't I didn't have any injuries. I didn't. Obviously wow, get
0: that's pretty a neat.
1: concussion or anything like that. So I was I was good to go.
0: Fantastic. So uh, what? What? Speaking of the, the athletic commissions, uh, being involved in 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 as much of this as as you have been, are they are they doing it right or are they they need to come along with a little bit more rules or less rules, or where do you come down on that?
1: Well, you know, I mean, the rules that you're given are the rules you're going to train for to fight, right? So, yes. You know, when there were no rules, you prepared for no rules. You know, that that was just the way it was. and Some guys did a better job of preparing, obviously, than others. But, um, you know, for me, um, I think currently – with the sport you know uh, I dislike the stop kicks against the knee you know um, I'm I'm more for um, knees on the ground to the head of an opponent than I am stop kicks against the knee joint you know yeah. because that could be a, a, a career ender in one split second um, so you know it just varies but I mean you know obviously the pride the pride rules were, were pretty brutal a lot of guys really got chewed up in that organization it was very brutal but they paid it they paid a, a lot of money yeah so it, you know it, it went with the territory so uh, but you know if, if you give guys the option you know like boxing you can only punch each other well people are gonna get hurt either way they're gonna you know over years they're gonna they're gonna have issues um, cognitive issues they're gonna have CTE issues you know a lot of other things are gonna are gonna surface later on from the internal damage um, you know a lot of people that don't know combat sports, you know, are concerned with lacerations and people bleeding all over the yeah. place, things like that. Well, yeah. look, that's not a big deal to a fighter. Uh, we've already we've already been we've already been tested for uh, hepatitis and, and HIV and all that stuff that too. In there.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to do this. We're going to take a uh, brief commercial break. I'm going to hang up with Pat on the phone. I'm going to call you back on my Skype. It's probably going to pop up as unknown number, but, right, uh, right, yeah. but but I'm letting you know ahead of time. I'm not trying to refinance a home mortgage or, or ask you about your car warranty. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will be right back. Uh, we're going to hang up with Pat Miletic and be with him back here on our big broadcast. We're taking a break, and when we come back, we have got more on the other side. We're going to get into some uh, politics with Pat Militich coming up here on our world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast, back here in about a minute. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live, coast-to-coast on Spotify. Also, each and every week at twitch twitch live stream on our sunday radio broadcast you miss it live it's on the mix each and every tuesday and you can find us jiggy jaguar.com that's j-i-g-g-y-j-g-u-a-r dot com kfrk in denver as well the mix wrn and iHeartRadio. radio we have got a brand new marketing partner with us today transmedia worldwide it's a brand new GoFundMe campaign go over give some of your hard-earned money to my battle with anxiety Oh uh, that's right james phillips wooten is with us today his friends and family and everyone As some of you know he struggles with severe anxiety disorder and depression it's become such an issue and is impacting his life enough that his physician therapist believes that he could benefit from a trained psychiatric serp stock and he needs help to get this psych reactor service dog up and running. We need you to give some of your hard-earned money over there to my battle with anxiety. It's G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M Search my battle with anxiety. It's by James Philip Wooten and he's organizing this great Wooten. I do love that. That That is probably my favorite uh, my favorite deal. <laughs> Okay. There we are. Hello. Okay, hold on. Let me grab my other uh co-host here who is uh okay. going to join us. And once we get everybody put in here, we will get off and running for our next segment. I appreciate you doing this by the way, my friend. Hey, no problem. Thanks for uh chatting with me and chatting with us and uh Where
1: are you Where are you, where are you guys located? I am
0: in Hutchinson, Kansas, of all places. And your governor shut, shut everything down, didn't shut he? Shut everything down. Canceled school before anybody even canceled school. It was, yeah. It was interesting. kind of, of an now. interesting deal. Okay, Dan, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Okay, and I think IQ might be joining us maybe. Well, I'm gonna try and get are you, are you up now? Is your Skype open? Yes, I'm 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 calling IQ, but I don't know if he'll pick up the horn or not. I don't know. He's, he's I'm sure he's raring to go as usual. He and I've been talking for the last twenty five So minutes. Um, so uh, but uh we'll, we'll do this. Uh we'll let you See if you can uh, get him. Uh, We have got uh, a great second half of our broadcast here. We have got Pat Miletic who joined us in our um, first half talking MMA. And uh, Pat uh, is an MMA legend. He's also a uh, a sports broadcast uh, professional. And uh, at one point, do you still host the uh, Conspiracy Farm, Pat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, we've... uh we've stuck with it for 5 years now and we're uh we're now uh I I I can read the list on air or whatever are we on air yet
0: oh yeah yeah we're on air go ahead brother yeah to talk, oh, talk, talk
1: okay well yeah yeah so uh jeffrey Wilson and I co-host the conspiracy farm and and we just we started it simply because uh we got we got tired of listening to the news um you know I trained law enforcement and military for a lot of years and uh, some of the people that I had met had moved on to intelligence positions and and had retired and and you know they I would hold conversations with them and other folks uh, within law enforcement and the military and they just you know say yeah that's not the real story man and, and you know using common sense when you listen to a lot of the news you go yeah this is this is not accurate this is yeah. not accurate yeah um, they're they're not being honest with us they're they're painting a narrative and unfortunately there's a there's a large a large population of the United States that, that just doesn't, that doesn't, they don't absorb that. They have a tough time. Yes. With it. So we had to go yes. through uh, for years and, and go through the historical facts of when the media told you a lie. And you know, we, we didn't have to go all the way back to the Vietnam war type stuff and say, okay, let's go back to the Gulf of Tonkin that started the world war that cost, uh, you know, a million Vietnamese lives and over 50,000 American lives. Well, documents have been released the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen. It was it yeah. used to start a war. And, and uh, you know, so you have to go through a lot of this, these, what they're called false flags. It doesn't mean a false flag doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen. Um, it means it's being used as an excuse, yes. uh, fear-based conditioning, whatever it is uh, that, that uh, the that, that government or other entities want to use um, to get things in place or take your constitutional rights from you. Um, and that, that's kind of how, how we do our show. It's domestic policy, geopolitical stuff and uh, mixed in with some other, some other subject matter. But you know, after five years, we hadn't even checked where we were on iTunes and all that sort of stuff ranking wise, uh, because it's just he and I, Uh, we don't have a big team or anything like that. We do it on Skype. We record it and we put it out there. And uh, he just checked last week uh, on where we were sitting. And then I said, go back and see what shows were ranked above on iTunes. And so we went back, and, and this was just some of them. He said uh, CNN News Briefing, uh, the <laughs> Ron Paul Liberty Report, the Young Turks, um, the Bl- Bloomberg Business Week. We're ahead of Laura Ingram, also. The Mark Levine Show, Fox News Radio, which surprises me a lot because he's a, he's a huge star. Uh, the yeah. Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer. Uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos, ABC Radio. The State of the Union with Jake Tapper. Uh, Brian Kilmeade on Fox, Fox Radio. So, you know, a little... Uh, unfunded um, show where we do a lot of research and we bring people um, you know, we search for the truth with our listeners, we call them the farmers and, That's awesome uh, and look, people People, I think over the years have said, you know what, these guys have repeatedly been correct on everything they've said and we've been called tinfoil hat wearers numerous times but uh, you know, it's like we told people many, many years ago that we were part of the problem our state department of funding and arming isis and everyone chewed our asses for it and uh, told us we were insane but lo and behold documents come out that yes that's exactly what we were doing and and so you know it's 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 been tough at times um but i will tell you it's been it's been worthwhile because you know i can look at myself in the mirror and say that we're at least searching for the truth we're not taking a check uh, to bullshit the American citizens.
0: I think that is fantastic. And uh, Dan Perkins, uh, listening to all this, I know you've probably got some questions for Pat.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, IQ, are you there?
0: IQ, can yes, you hear us? You? Fantastic. Yeah, okay.
2: we got both of us. Okay, good. Um, uh, thank you. Um, I am a, uh, a, a truth seeker, have been for a long time, and, and I am uh, as my website says political correctness isn't always necessarily always correct um I'm, I'm more interested in the truth than i am about political correctness or whether it offends anybody um, right, right. what concerns do you have about going on with the way we're handling the corona 19 virus
1: um well i mean you've got to go back in time a little bit and and understand some of the some of the stuff that led up to this you know I think that the virus is real. Um, it doesn't matter whether it was lab created or it's something that naturally occurred. Uh, the, the problems that it's causing right now—obviously, people are dying, and, and uh, doctors and nurses are are under massive amounts of stress right now. Law enforcement, fire departments are coming in contact with these people constantly, so it's it's very real. But you know, the the, the issues that we had—you know—I've been talking for gosh, over a year, well over a year about, you know, the banking industry, um, you know, the, you know, you look at Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank's been circling the drain for some time now. Wells Fargo closed, you know, its goal by 2020 was to close 800 branches. You know, the, the red flags were up with that. The derivatives bubble is at you know, four times the entire globe's, uh, entire earth's economy, you know, so you know that we're in financial trouble already because of the, the irresponsible, QE programs, the quantitative easing, after the 08 collapse. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, the timing of it all, and then the shutdown of of the the Western society um, economy is, you know, very suspect to me. Um, Is it being used as an excuse to kill the monetary system and restart it? You know, we said that they were coming with a digital currency after all of this stuff. We knew it from the beginning. And then you hear the Federal Reserve come out and say, hey, we want to start a, a digital currency because, yes. well, it's the money that's yeah. spreading the disease, you know. And yep. uh, for people that don't understand digital currency, the amount of control that that gives government is very scary, very, very scary stuff. So, you know, and over a year ago, we talked with Deliana Gatshachiva for the second time. She's the Bulgarian reporter who lost her job for, for tracking down and finding um, Bulgarian weapons um, that were shipped in, you know, they were shipping weapons in through Turkey, shipping weapons in through um, uh, Libya, Benghazi, Libya. And, uh, you know, she lost her job for proving that Western, um, you know, our State Department and other, other groups, um, even the United Arab Emirates were were funding these, these, these guys and, and arming them. So she lost her job, but she went to look for some more documentation on Serbian weapons, and she got a lot of pressure from the Serbian government uh, she pointed the figure at Serbian leaders uh, who were part of the whole problem, and uh, but she also found documents. This is well over a year ago, guys. That you know we had, and and other other governments obviously have bioweapons labs, but we had 25 bioweapons labs that surround Eurasia, uh, with the ability and the documentation. Uh, we feel that the documents were released on purpose to scare the shit out of the Chinese and the, and the Russians, uh, but they have the the ability to create vaccines that attack specific DNA. And at the same time, all the scientists that worked in these labs or still work in these labs have diplomatic immunity, which means they can carry and, and ship anything they want, and it cannot be searched. So, you know, then you tie, you know, the Harvard, the Harvard uh, professor uh, who had go- been going back and forth from Wuhan University, uh, getting busted carrying uh, vials of, of uh, we'll just say viruses, uh, yeah. along with two, two Chinese nationals. Uh, who were also arrested in that in that sting. So it's just there's a lot of fishy stuff going on with us.
2: Well, there's a there's a story floating around that I've heard in more than one place that that the Chinese government invited um, members of ten thousand families who were spread out throughout the world to come back to Wuhan for the Chinese New Year celebration, and they came back. And then they had the celebration, and then they left to the far corners of the world, and that they were yeah. they were, in fact, the people who spread the virus all over the world. The ten well, thousand I mean, you
1: know yeah, there's so much there's so much uh, mis misdirection with this thing, you know that it's hard to be sure. And as I said, look, it's it's not important right now to know I'm sure eventually we're going to find out whether it was lab created, uh, whether that Harvard professor was part of this. You know who was who exactly responsible, um, but ultimately, you know the thing is, 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 you know the economic collapse. You know we're looking at unemployment numbers by the time this thing is done, um, near depression levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this is this is doing some massive, massive damage. Um, now there's also the idea that that Trump has has rolled the Fed into the Treasury. Uh, right. So he's he's your new, he's your new Fed chairman. Uh, so we'll see if he's going to kill the Fed. Which, obviously, anybody who's been paying attention uh, to the monetary system and understands it, since the creation of the Federal Reserve Act, uh, has wanted the Federal Reserve to die. You know, to to go away, mm-hmm. and uh, potentially potentially does he create, you know, a gold-backed Treasury note and and free us from the from the banker's debt? You know, the interest-free money. We'll see.
2: Well, the, the follow-up part of that story is that. That the Treasury would issue a new currency, not the digital, but new paper currency, which which would be redeemed one for one, and that there are perhaps billions upon billions of dollars out in the world that's illegal that would never, ever be turned in. Uh, because right. of the uh, of the need to necessarily identify where it came from, but but I, I want to go back to the situation. I, I want to share with you. I've written since this thing's been going on, and Jim and, and IQ have seen some of the commentaries that I've written. But let me tell you what, what I'm working on right now. Um, my my avocation and occupation for the last almost 15 years has been a money manager of individuals. Okay private private money management i have my own small firm so i've been right. investing money around the world f- forever uh, yeah. and so this is this is what i'm seeing at the moment i wrote i wrote a commentary that compared what's happening in the united states and the world under the normal flu season right according to the world health organization says that this year Two hundred and fifty million people will contract the the flu virus. Two hundred and fifty thousand will die.
1: Yeah, and that's Just, a, that's a low year. That's a low yeah, that's, year. That's, I mean, usually it's an average of right around five hundred thousand die a year, right?
2: And there'll be about there'll be about a half a million that would be sick enough that, that would have to go to the hospital. So so we got, we we're looking at probably excuse me. That's the United the United States numbers are about 41 million people will get the flu, about a half a million will have to go to the hospital, and about 41,000, 41,000 will die. And that's right. that's that's about average for a flu season in the United States. The magnitude yeah. on a global basis, we're talking about the possibility uh, uh, of uh, maybe 250 million people getting sick, Uh, around the world maybe maybe much more and so now so this is the number that i ran this morning if you take the current mortality rate in the united states and now i'm 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 dealing with the the forecasts from the two doctors day before yesterday in the President's news conference had said a great outcome would be somewhere between 100 and 200,000 people dying in the United States as a result of this virus. So if you take this this morning's death rate as a percentage of the number of people that are infected and you apply that to the 320 million people in the United States, you're going to wind up with 10 million people infected and you're going to have uh, uh, um, 200,000 people die now in order for that to happen and I just before we came on the air was watching uh, CNBC who was talking about that we may in the the case of New York's we might be two weeks away from the peak okay right in order, for, in order for that projection to be made and to be realistic on what's going on in the country today, the death rate would have to increase 62 times.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% correct, because we're at like 1% or 2%. Right now it's a 98% survivability, correct? Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, and here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing, is that millions of Americans have already had it. I had it in January. See, that, uh, and this was oh, not what I was
0: getting ready to, to, to say, Pat. I I have run into more people lately who have said, "Oh, I had it." Uh, my photographer, Michael Nagy, out in New Jersey, had it in November. Uh, my mother had it yeah, in January. Yeah. I had it in I had it in February, and they uh, fairly recently they said that uh, this is attaching itself to things like influenza. Well, that's what I officially had. But uh, it was kind of strange because after they realized that I had influenza, all the medical people at the hospital took all their masks off, and the doctor refused to take his mask off and kept coming in there and saying, uh, "Yeah, it's influenza, but I'm not sure if it's all the way." In
1: yeah, influenza. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is, is, we did a we did a show we did a show out in New Mexico at a casino out there. Um, and flew back on a Saturday morning, everybody, the whole crew flew back. And then by Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, there was a text chain for all the guys that work on my crew that I work with, who were all getting sick. And some of yep. them got very sick. I, I, have, I have a pre-existing condition. I grew up in a house that wasn't the best house in the world. It flooded every time it rained, and I, my, my bedroom was in the basement, and there was black mold everywhere. So my lungs are actually pretty pretty jacked up and pretty sensitive. Um and uh so so respiratory stuff hits me pretty hard and my lungs sounded like two bowls of soup for about ten days and uh and uh I had violent shakes for like two days and the only reason it I realized it was because I saw the videos out of China of people in hospital beds convulsing and shaking like I was. And yep. I was like, Holy cow yep. and then my lungs have never been that bad. I'd never had anything like that before in my life and several of the other guys got that sick also. And then my, I brought it home unwittingly uh, to my wife and kids. And now my wife and kids uh, don't have pre-existing conditions. Uh, my wife got, got, got pretty sick. She coughed quite a bit for about a week. Um, but my kids coughed a couple days and we were, were through it. Um, you know, athletes, swimmers, rowers, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, so they plowed right through it. But millions of people, when I did my show, and I'll, I'll, while we're taping our show, I'll also do a Facebook Live so that I can get questions asked of me. And when I said that I had already had it in January, you wouldn't believe the number of people that started chiming in and saying, oh, my God, I had it, too. Oh, uh, me, too, <laughs> me, too me, too. Me, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't telling us if they knew. Um, and, uh, you know, China had hidden it for, you know, what are we, what are we thinking? At least a couple months, probably. Uh, so this thing started in September over there, probably, yes. for all we know. Uh, so it's been around September, October, November, December, January, February. And now, well, it's seven months, seven going on the eighth month. It's probably been around with a, a number of dead of, of what? Uh, probably 40,000, 45,000 right now.
2: Around the world. Around the world.
1: Yeah. Around the world. And here, and that, so, that's the thing that, go
2: ahead. I just going to say that two, two things I want to point out. There seems to be a conflict between doctors. If you had yeah. it. Are you immune from getting it again and i hear both sides of the story that you you if you have it you have an immune immunity build up into your body number one and number two is um if 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 the models are wrong and, and and it's my understanding listening to dr kirk yesterday the day before she said that the models that they're using were based on the state of Washington, Italy, and China, and um, to get a, some diversity of what's going on. Um, I, I don't believe the Chinese. Uh, I got to tell you, I I was on. I, I'm doing a ton of interviews, six, seven, eight, nine a day, um, and I raised this issue last night. How is it possible that the second largest population in the world, which is right next door to China, has had such a low level of uptake of the of the virus and deaths? India, and right. and and I don't believe that it. I know. I say to people, go to the uh, Johns Hopkins. Uh, website and look at the map and I say focus on Europe just focus on the air in Europe and you'll see that I think five four or five of the the the, the most difficult nations in the world are in Europe and that is a, a reason why we do not want single pair of health care because people will, will die big numbers um, right and so I'm I'm looking at it and saying okay i'm questioning the accuracy of the statistical models that the government is using as to the magnitude of this pandemic now i agree with the president uh we can't not do anything but i'm right. i heard i heard again before i got on the show today that the infection rate in new york is starting to go down in the sense that the number of new cases from day to day is not rising it's stable to starting to come down and if we're two if we're if we're two weeks away and i do want to talk about a stupid mistake that somebody made Um, (laughs) it's shocking if we're if we're we're two weeks away or so from the peak uh, i don't see how we hit the numbers i I just don't see it now to the stupid mistake yes uh um (laughs) How in the world how in the world did anybody make the decision to have Fat Tuesday in New Orleans and not expect a massive breeding of the, yeah. of the virus I mean right
0: right yeah what I, I what what, saying, what do you what do you make of this pat cuz this is <laughs> insane get IQ in here too yes yes IQ, IQ told us last week about
2: what's happening in Iran, so why don't you tell them what you know now i q
0: yeah t- fill 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 our guest Pat militich in on this because uh Pat once you hear this story <laughs> it is like nothing you've ever heard pat uh, uh, i q tell us about uh what what the what the Muslim countries are doing and encouraging people to do because this this is going to blow pat's mind go ahead iQ
3: well You've got to understand that the Muslims believe totally in their Quran and Sharia, right. which is the foundations. Unlike the Western mind, they are living in the seventh century. Fortunately for the Muslims in Saudi Arabia, they have the young king, Salban Salman. He closed Mecca and Medina and all the mosques. And nobody right. dared say anything. But outside saudi arabia both in the sunni countries and especially in the shia countries the imams the leaders the, well, the imams are the priests of islam are telling their followers don't worry about corona allah will defend you all you have <laughs> to do is pray more and you put on your epaulets verses of the quran they are congregating in the mosques they had 180,000 people meeting in Indonesia, and from Indonesia they spread it all over the Muslim world. In yeah. Pakistan, the leader is a Western guy, and yet he is afraid to go against the Imams, who are again congregating more and more Muslims in the mosques. That's what's happening.
0: What, 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 oh, no. what do
3: you make wait, of wait, this? Wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, wait. Okay, just one, one more piece. Go ahead. IQ,
2: tell them okay. about the video. Tell about the video you just told me. Okay. IQ, the article. No, the IQ on the, the video on YouTube
3: you told me about. Oh yeah, sorry. Now I remember. What I was telling Dan, I can I will send him links on YouTube. By the way, you can Google everything I'm telling you. you Google it on YouTube. Imams in every mosque in every country, whether it's Western country or not Western country, are inciting Muslims to commit Corona Jihad by spreading on purpose coronavirus among the populations they live amongst in the Western world. Uh, Pat, listening yeah, yeah. to
0: all this, what, 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 what do you make of this, brother? This is kind of just
1: crazy town. Well, here's, here's what I would say is that um, we had a good friend of mine, uh, scientist George Pardos, on my show. We, he's, he's a regular on my show. Um, and when he came on, you know, obviously our knowledge of bioweapons labs, the potential that they, that this was engineered uh, to go after specific DNA. We got called tinfoil wearers for that. Uh, you know, uh, he hypothesized and said that the people, people that have the most Neanderthal gene um, are, are folks that are the most resistant uh, to, this, to this virus. And when you look at the numbers, say, in Germany, the Germans, the, the indigenous Germans, anyway, um, they're able to fight this off a lot easier. The numbers are very low there as far as people, uh, uh, fatality uh, percentages right. to for those infected. Um, then, then there were other scientists who came out and said that um, the old, people with O blood types, are able to fight this off fend this off uh, much easier than people with a blood types and so when you pose that to scientists and say hey man you know is this is this something that was that was created in a uh, a weapons lab potentially uh they say well that's you know that's some pretty interesting interest interesting uh, data um so that and then some other scientists suddenly they said that they uh out of of the blue they were all sitting around working at their computers and uh decided that oh my god let's let's start testing people's dna and see if it's affecting people's dna dude these are scientists we've been talking about this for a year at least a year and talking about bioweapons that are specifically targeted to, to dna and the reason those documents were released again was to scare the russians and the chinese what, was it our was it our doing? I, I have no idea. Was it the Chinese doing? We can't be sure who had the most to gain from this. I know a global a lot of global bankers have a lot to gain from it. Yes. Uh, in the reset potentially is what they were thinking. Uh, there's a lot of people that have a lot of money that that buy up stocks when they collapse. I know there's a lot of people like that. So hey, look anybody anybody could pay a scientist you know five million dollars and say hey go drop this vial in the middle of a crowded city. And get this started for me you know that's that's there's a million different ways this could have happened i'm not saying any of them are correct but i'm just saying you know when you look at a guy like bill gates and well by the way that's why the fatality rates are very high in iran that that we're looking at uh, uh the persians have low uh very low neanderthal genes right there's yes. not a lot of neanderthal genes, there so the so the yep. fatality rates are very high But when you look at, for a lot of people that aren't familiar with this, go look at a a video on YouTube. It's a condensed version of a Bill Gates funded, uh, Bill Gates funded study called event two Oh one. And you can watch the condensed version of the documentary. It's only 11 minutes long for all those people that are super busy, uh, (laughs) who are, you know, uh, sitting on their asses at home, um, because they can't go to work. Um, Look up Bill Gates' Event 201 And listen to that 11 minute film And you will start to understand And we know Bill Gates' father was the guy That started and funded Planned Parenthood yep. They're all about eugenics They're all about lowering the population of, of the world And uh, that, that can't be argued They've, stayed, well, they've said it themselves uh, so you can't you can't really argue that something
0: else, Pat, that uh, I, I've been seeing the last couple days is that uh, the Gates Foundation they want to come up with the uh, vaccine or whatever for this, and they want to make <laughs> everybody mandatory take it. And apparently, it's got some sort of tracker in it, and they want to implant it into your skin. Step. And all <laughs> it's some scary stuff, my friend. What was the the title of the video again?
1: Uh, Event 201. And so what I tell the people, what I say to people is this, is, uh, you know, $4 billion has already been paid by not pharmaceutical companies, but U.S. taxpayers because an an act was passed to protect the pharmaceutical corporations uh, from lawsuits, from vaccines, from medications. but, But vaccine court is what it is specifically for vaccines. To protect against lawsuits so that pharmaceutical companies wouldn't get sued so you know there's things called titers tests a titers test can determine whether you're already have uh built up antibodies for the meeps uh, measles mumps rubella um, you know a lot of different things for hepatitis uh, you know all these different types of, of um, viruses and they have not come up with a titers test for uh 19. so if somebody says, "Hey, you have to get a vaccine; um, it's mandatory, or you can't go back to work, and your kids can't go back to school." Yep. I'm going to say, "Blow it out your ass! Blow it out your ass! Come with a tigers test, and we're going to get tested for antibodies to prove that we've already had this. And we're not we're not getting your your vaccine because look, you have to understand that a that a mandated vaccine, no matter how you feel about vaccines, I don't give a shit how you feel, um, is a is an involuntary medical procedure on your children. That's Nazi-level stuff, okay? You, you, you cannot be forced to do this sort of stuff. The U.S. Constitution um, forbids it. And look, I, I'm somebody who's a constitutional American. If somebody tries to grab my kids and inject them with this stuff, I will shoot you dead in the face if you yeah. try to do that to my children. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's how serious people are about this. Um, I am not. I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to go for it because, uh, you know, that's why people are having adverse reactions to vaccines because they already have antibodies to certain um, vac- uh, vir- uh, viruses and, and diseases. So it's it's insane, and, and people don't don't understand that you you know the uh, what's handed down from your mother. You know, there's already been a lot of a lot of vac- vaccinating, and a lot of diseases that have gone through. You know, and as I mentioned before, the Neanderthal gene. The Neanderthal gene is more resistant to this type of stuff because our ancestors already went through shit like the bubonic plague yeah, and survived yeah. it, and their offspring were stronger because of it. So that's, that's where people have to wake up here and, uh, and don't, don't believe the narrative. Well, what do you make of
2: that, Dan? I, I, um, I know we're almost out of time, because I, I do want to say one other thing after this. Um, I've been asking doctors around the country, as I'm doing them on my show, about what they think about the question of okay we're going to do this vaccine and we've got measles and we have got mumps and we've got whooping cough and we have got pneumonia and on and on and on what's going to happen to our system our body as we put more and more vaccines in it and no doctor seems to be able to give me an answer because nobody's studied what is the long-term impact of excessive amount of vaccines being put into the human body
1: uh, I say there that. Absolutely. There absolutely are no studies. There are no studies. They, right. they try to tell you that there's studies and they will say, um, you know, because they've never studied, uh, you know, people that, as far as the, um, uh, the MMR vaccine, as opposed to the rest of the schedule and a lot mm-hmm. of other stuff, they'll, 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 they'll remove that from it and do tests on, on other stuff. But here's the thing that, that I would say is that, uh, go back and listen to the Conspiracy Farm. You can type in the Conspiracy Farm, Dell Big Tree, and George Pardos. My scientist friend debated George Pardos on my show, and after that debate, George started doing tests at the uni- at a, I'm not going to mention the university right now. Um, at, a, at a Division One university, at a laboratory with other scientists, and the things that they're coming up with vaccine, uh, the reactions of cells. Um, from these vaccines is is doing some horrible damage, uh, depending on the the genetic makeup of the, of the individuals. Okay, so uh, they'll even they'll test on mice, and, and it's doing horrible things to the to the cells of the mice. Uh, mm-hmm. And these mice have have all been bred specifically to be able to tell what it's going to do to a human body and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. and so that's the thing; it's depending on your DNA, depending on your mm-hmm. antibodies that you've already got. There's a lot of stuff there uh, that that is not being explained to the people. And this is about the money. I mean, this is billions and billions and billions of dollars from a pharmaceutical company stand to make off this sort of stuff. Uh, when the truth is released, millions and millions of people are going to go, nope, not doing it, man, not doing it.
2: Right. Jim, I want to remind you that um, I, as you call, I wrote the trilogy, The Brotherhood of the Red Nile. And when I the third book was out, I would start getting emails from people saying, Well, when's the next book coming out? And I used to say, Do you understand that a trilogy is three? And they come back and say, So when are you going to write the next book? And I, I wrote I wrote a fourth book called Terrorist Gold. But what's happening is it's getting it's starting to get play again because the story in Terrorist Gold is a MERS attack, which is one of the uh COVID viruses used against the united states after a nuclear attack and people are saying man that's too scary for me but um that book is terrorist gold and it's available at amazon if you need something to do while you're sitting on your couch <laughs> hey i
1: like that i like that i'll have to look those up now i'll uh, have to look those up and you know and and i'm sure that you've written in there you know uh, about the asymmetrical warfare and how that's being used now and uh, look it 's not it 's not guys in uniforms with with artillery and planes and stuff anymore man you can you can take down nations, Look, our nation 's being taken down right now yeah um, it 's it's, it's imploding financially uh, from all of this we you know our our military leaders are now underneath Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado Springs. Uh, why the hell are they have to be quarantined you know the the continuity of government operations that have to go into play I get it, but do you need to quarantine uh, military leaders underneath a mountain if you can quarantine them somewhere else, uh, unless you're worried about could there be an EMP attack, a nuclear attack, because our country is pr- pretty weak state right now, pretty weak state. Yes, I agree. Now, Thank uh, you. It was a pl- pleasure.
0: It, it, this was fantastic, Pat. I appreciate you being on, and we're definitely going to have to do this again. Um, no, I love the discussion. I love the discussion iq before we let you go how do, how do we find you in your books iq Al only
3: my book is on amazon lifting the veil: the true faces of muhammad and islam and it is a trilogy <laughs> and all you have to do is google my name al rasuli A L R A double oli
0: and uh dan uh bring us up to speed on on your nonprofit and everything that that you're doing my friend Right now, the big I'm getting calls from the VA
2: uh, for more players because with the elimination of visitations of family and friends, the soldiers yeah. that are in the VA facilities. So we have a, just to tell your your, your yes, guest. Yes, yes, uh, tell Pat about we have, this. We have, we have a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers, and we give away MP3 players that are loaded with two novels and an eight-hour custom-designed sleep audio to try and help uh, soldiers. Deal with uh, traumatic brain injury, PTSD, sleep deprivation, and suicide prevention, and uh, we give, man, we give them away free, give them away free to the to the veterans. But now we're getting calls back from the veteran facilities. Can you send us more? So anything wow. that that your listeners can do to help by going to Songs and Stories for Soldiers. dot us so we can get some money to supply more of these players to the veterans would be helpful. And my website is danperkins.guru, and there's a lot of new stuff I've been writing over the last month on this virus that's up there. And um, thank you for uh, joining us today on, on our conversation.
1: Yes, thank you, no, Pat. Thank you, gentlemen. And, and if, if I could get, uh, Dan, your information and IQ's information, that would be amazing.
0: I'd yes. love to have you guys
1: individually I've, on the conspiracy farm.
0: I will. Uh, I will send you. Uh, I'll send you a, a DM on Twitter here in a few. As soon as we get off the, get off the horn here with you, and uh, I'll get you all their information.
1: That would be great. That would be great. I sure appreciate it. it was a, it was a great conversation. Now,
0: how Thank do you. we? How do we get? Because uh, I notice you guys are on YouTube and you're on a uh, Stitcher. Uh, how, how do we find the uh, the program?
1: Uh, you can find us on iTunes also, but you can go to. TheConspiracyFarm.com, and all of our episodes are certainly on there. And uh, if, if people have the urge or the need to, to buy anything from our sponsors, which is seems to be in quite big supply or need right now, demand right now, uh, considering all the chaos that's going on, people getting a little nervous and suddenly ordering a lot more of what we're selling.
2: <laughs> can I ask, Jim, can I ask one, one, one real quick question? Yes, go. Sure three things three things that are in impossible supply in this country today number one is toilet paper number two yes. is sanitary wipes and three is hand sanitizer can't buy them right right yeah if i could get and, you some do you have room on your site to sell it absolutely okay all right let
0: me
1: see what absolutely. I absolutely 100 percent. all
0: right good. that would be nice yes beautiful well thank uh you. well pat i appreciate you making time for us today thanks for coming on we're definitely gonna have to do this again my friend uh i enjoyed the conversation earlier about mma as as well and uh uh dan iq thank you guys and uh, everybody have a good rest of the week thank, thank you. you bye thanks thank you. guys was a pleasure, man. appreciate thank it you much. there they go dan perkins iq Al rizzoli and of course pat militich uh <laughs> It's fantastic. We are going to see you next time.